Well, hello, it's Pastor Carson from Calvary Tabernacle. Thanks for stopping by the podcast. We hope that it's a blessing to you, whether you're catching one of the Sunday or Wednesday messages, or maybe you're jumping on to listen to one of the Saturday snapshots. We're doing everything we can right here in the beautiful Fountain Square area of Indianapolis to try to reach and connect and disciple people towards Jesus Christ. Enjoy what you listen to, and I hope that it's a benefit to your life. I'd like for us to turn and read a passage of Scripture from Isaiah 55. It's always an honor to stand behind this pulpit. I would like to thank Pastor Carson for asking me to preach tonight. I hope I didn't disappoint you. I know, I know we love to hear our pastor preach, and sometimes when someone else steps up, we just kind of think, ah. Oh. <laughs> so please forgive me. I'm standing in that place, huh? Don't worry, I will preach to the choir tonight. Literally. That's not a figurative phrase. I got a few things I need to tell them. Sometimes a good, good preaching too helps get us straightened out, but I'm just kidding. I, I love these students. They're an amazing group. Look at them up there. Don't they look great? Amen. And then, of course, you have the non-music ones still gathered up in the balcony. God bless you, too. You guys look great as well. I don't want to leave you out. Amen. I was once one of you. Hallelujah. It's hard to have a one-dimensional ministry. I, I don't sing. I don't play. That's all I got. That's why I married someone that does. Hallelujah. We'll read from Isaiah 55, and I want to go ahead and read from Jeremiah 20. We'll get to that in a minute. But if you have Isaiah 55 and verse 9, it says, For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down and the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but wherewith the earth and make it it bring forth and bud, that it may give seed to the sower and bread to the eater. So shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth, and it shall not return unto me void, but it shall accomplish that which I please. And it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. And then if you have that mark, Jeremiah 20, in verse 7, the scripture has been with me for several weeks now. Every time I read it, it's so perplexing. In verse 7, it says, O Lord, thou hast deceived me. And then somewhat as an afterthought, he kind of corrects it and says, And I was deceived. Thou art stronger than I and hast prevailed. I'm in derision daily and everyone mocketh me. For since I spake, I cried out, I cried violence and spoil, because the word of the Lord was made a reproach unto me, and a derision daily. And then I said, I will not make mention of him, nor speak any more in his name. But his word was in my heart as a burning fire shut up in my bones. And I was weary with forbearing, and I could not stay. For I heard the defaming of many. Fear on every side. Report, they say, and we will report it. And all my familiars watch for my halting, saying, Preadventure, he will be enticed, and we shall prevail against him, and we shall take our revenge upon him. But here it is, but the Lord is a terrible, but the Lord is with me as a mighty, terrible one. Therefore, my persecutors shall stumble, they shall not prevail, and they shall be greatly ashamed, for they shall not prosper. Their everlasting confusion shall never be forgotten. With the help of the Holy Ghost, I want to, I want to preach a thought. I, I gave a preview a few weeks back at Hayfest. And we'll get to Hebrews, the 11th chapter. But I want to preach this thought 
God gave me leaving a funeral, I just felt something stirring in my spirit. The three levels of your faith. Can we just one more time lift our hands and close our eyes and just ask God to be with us. Lord, we thank you for your spirit. I pray, God, that your anointing would fill this house. I pray that you'd lift up and encourage. I pray, God, that your will would be done tonight. I pray that you would bless the ear of the hearer, the heart of the hearer. Not only that they may hear, but also receive, that it would change and mold and shape us. Pray, God, that as your word goes forth, it would build our faith, our faith to see what you're able to do through us. I pray, God, for strength of body and mind. Pray, Lord, that you would be with us. And someone said, in the name of Jesus, let your will be done in my life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. This pulpit is such a wonderful place for me to stand behind. I remember as a student hearing messages preached, conferences that were conducted, hosted by Calvary Tabernacle. I cannot begin to tell you what an impact it made in my life, whether it would be Brother Mooney or a guest speaker or even Pastor Carson so recently, how he has challenged and the Word of God has built something inside of my life. It goes without saying that faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of the Lord and we understand the dynamic of God's preached word. Some would even say that the preached word of God is nothing more than foolishness. And to a degree, we would have to absolutely embrace that because it's through the foolishness of preaching that we find salvation. But God's word is powerful. Scripture states that it is sharper than a two-edged sword that divides asunder the very thought and the intent of the heart. So there are many times that I've said in this sanctuary, hearing a message from this pulpit, that God has penetrated through the very thoughts that were racing through my mind. Conviction began to settle upon me and the word of God began to cut like a surgeon's scalpel into the very depth, it seemed, of my soul. Dividing asunder, not just the thoughts, but the very intent in which those thoughts were trying to conjure up. I would say that God's word has that ability, thus we refer to it as conviction. And conviction is what we need now more than ever. You see, I believe we need preaching that doesn't just stir the soul, but preaching that corrects the wandering. I believe that we need authority that comes only through the word of God, that is brought to us by the vessel of God. I believe that what the church needs to attain the greatest revival the world has ever seen is for the word of God to go forth. You see, we need a word today more than any generation has ever needed a word. I'm not saying a word from a man or a woman, but what I am saying is we need a word from God that comes from his word. We need to get into the word of God. We need to dissect what scripture says. And we need to embrace what God has given the church. The word. The word. For many times in my life, and, and this isn't just my testimony, but it could be possibly your testimony, where we had nothing. We found ourselves at the very bottom. We were inundated by the attack of the enemy. Weightiness was upon us. The, the pressure of life was more than what we could bear. But there were times that I opened up my word and God began to speak to me through his word and something began to change inside of me. And though I couldn't say that circumstances around me were different, God gave me a hope that could not come from this world or from anyone that was in this world, but it was a hope of understanding that was through his word. There were times that I opened up my Bible to Psalms and I began to read something that wouldn't just stir me or tickle me or make me feel excited, but it would give me a profound word that let me know that God was not going to back down from what the enemy was bringing against me that he was going to be my shield and my buckler that he was going to stand with me in the very storm of life the word of God the word of God 
I mean, think about it. Psalms 46, it says, Great is our God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. And therefore, we will not fear. Though the earth be removed and though the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, though the waters thereof roar and be troubled, though the mountains shake with the swelling thereof, there is a river, the streams whereof make glad the cities of God, the holy place of the tabernacle of the Most High. God is in the midst of her and she shall not be moved. God shall help her and right early. Those moments where God gives you a word that lets you know that everything It's going to be all right. That word from God that gives peace when there's no peace. That word that builds faith when there is no faith. A word from God. Let me tell you a little bit about my testimony. It's not a a testimony of my my childhood, but a testimony of me as an adult, a, a pastor. I hope you don't mind me sharing. I'll never forget that moment that I received a phone call to come to Indiana Bible College. I I don't know if it was a shock. I I, I didn't expect it. It was that moment where I didn't know how to process it. I love pastoring. I, I thought that that was what God ultimately called me to do and to be. It didn't come without great trials, though. The greatest trials of my life is when I stepped into a small church in Eagle River, Alaska. It seemed as if the enemy did everything that he could to destroy me. Had a young man, he's not so young anymore, but he told me, he said, Pastor Gallion, he, his dad pastored that very church that I had pastored, and his dad didn't make it. He told me, he said, Pastor Gallion, he said, out of the four pastors, the five pastors, including you, he said, you're the only one that made it out of this church with your ministry and your marriage intact. Let me tell you something. I didn't know what I was getting into or else I probably would have never gotten into it. I thought it was a great opportunity. We had a building that was there. It was paid for. Somebody say hallelujah. Hallelujah. My first day on the job, I I walked into the church. I was going to check some things out. We were going to paint some walls. We were going to make some changes. You know how that goes. That's what you do, by the way, I guess. back wall of the sanctuary, uh, it, it was beautiful, the back wall of our sanctuary, much prettier than this, honestly. <laughs> it, wasn't, it wasn't black, it was purple. It was gorgeous. <laughs> the walls were white. It was, it, it was a theme, though. I walked through the sanctuary, I, I began to count. There were one, two, three, four different colors of trim. Anybody have a construction background in anyone? Has anyone ever done any finishing work? We had, we had everything. I walked downstairs and turned the sink on the men's restroom and there was no hot water. I thought, well, something's wrong. So I started looking and I looked underneath the sink and guess what? There was no hot water line. <laughs> and uh, you know how cold it is in Alaska in the wintertime? It's so cold it hurts your teeth to brush them in cold water. You should stick your hands under ice cold water that was just frozen a few miles up the road. But they melted it before it got to you. That's not a joke. Our water came from Lake Eklutna. It was glacier and ice melt off that they said they filtered it and I'm not so sure they did, but. Walked into the kitchen. My wife was in there. She's washing some dishes. You know, I love having a church kitchen because it's full of surprises on Sunday morning when you walk in and there's just dishes and food left over everywhere. And and so my wife was washing dishes and I was going to be the supportive husband that I am. And so I was going to lean up against the wall and talk to her. She was washing dishes. (laughs) And so I I was, I was trying to be. And I went to lean up against that wall. And when I put my hand on the wall, my entire hand fell through the drywall. And I began to push and I felt something. It was a blast of cold air and my hand was literally sticking outside. <laughs> I'm not, I was not ungrateful. I was not ungrateful. The building was paid for. It was beautiful. 
And uh, so that began my education as a pastor. I thought it was about spiritual care. I didn't realize I had to go back to my roots. And so you know what I had to do that week? I went ahead and I tore out an old pair of uh, steps that was going up in the back and I replaced those and, and then I ripped off the rotten siding and I uh, went down to the studs and, and fixed the studs that were damaged, cut those out and put new in and, and then I put siding back on that and I went inside and I patched the drywall. And I, in a few short months, I became an expert at things I didn't know how to do before. And I could, I'm telling you, if you need something painted, I'm your guy. I can paint something. And if you need something done somewhat correct, <laughs> I can do that too. I'm pretty good at it. If you need something done that is not in code, but yet just gets you through, I'm the man that can do that. I, I can do it on a budget too. I can, I can fix some things. Ask my wife. It's, it's amazing what I can do. She was complimenting me the other day. She said, hey, there's some tiles in the shower. They're all crooked, look like they're bowing out. I said, listen, you don't have to be critical. <laughs> I fixed those tiles. I was proud of that job. I thought it was a good one. I didn't realize you had to make them all level. Nobody sees it, my goodness. It just, you're just trying to keep water out from... Nobody appreciates it. And, 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 and there I was. God had allowed us to step into this and it was a beautiful moment in our, our ministry and, and, and we began to, with excitement, push forward and man, it was standing in the pulpit preaching to people that I was falling in love with. I, I'm watching Pastor and Sister Carson and I know what that feels like. I, I've been there where you pour your heart out and, and you know what, some things, I, let me just, I don't want to embarrass them, but let me just tell you, they pour their heart out from this pulpit but it doesn't just end here. You see, they carry that same burden with them at home at night. And though they're saving some for their family, they don't always get to save everything for their family because they'll be up many hours sometimes in the middle of the night of, of counseling sessions that they've dealt with certain issues in the church and it pours out of their spirit and heaviness begins to settle upon them. And, and they'll wake up in the middle of the night thinking about one of you and begin to pray. I, I know what that feels like. And so we're not just having a man and a woman step in just in the pulpit of this church or just in the office that they occupy during service hours, but it's a 24-hour-a-day job, seven days a week that they are praying and, and seeking God's face for direction. And, and so you can get a little critical at times, but just remember what they carry is a weight that you probably have never felt and will never feel, but it's something that God has put upon them, and we should pray for them as this church should. Amen. And I remember, I remember those days where we'd have good days and we'd have bad days. And I remember the heaviness that would weigh upon us. And there were nights I would come home from the church and, and I had preached four services sometimes. And, and we were doing two churches and I would come home and, and walk into my bedroom and be so exhausted. My wife exhausted and we would fall in the bed. I wouldn't even, I wouldn't even change out of my suit. I'd wake up in early hours of the morning and try to get up and try to figure out what, why did I still have my suit on. I remember what that felt like. But you see, there was a burden that was upon us and there was a mandate from God to give everything that we could give. Oh, we need a pastor that's going to get up in this pulpit and not be intimidated are afraid to preach the word but hold on it's not just his responsibility we need saints in the pew that will receive a word from God and support the pastor whatever he preaches and whatever direction he decides to go in we got to make sure that it comes from God's word but we apply it to our life amen I don't know what year it happened. I don't remember. I can't remember. It may have been the first year, the second year. But the devil came after us. I, I'll never forget. That he, he tried to kill us physically and spiritually. Woke up in the middle of the night. Something was not right. I just came up out of a dead sleep. I said, I've got to go pray. I felt something so urgent upon me. I didn't know who it was for. I just knew that I needed to go. And I, I ran upstairs to our living room. And when I walked upstairs, the entire upstairs was filled with smoke. For supper that night, my wife had went to 
Costco and she had a box of goods. You know, Costco don't give you bags. Sometimes you put everything in a box that you can borrow off the shelf that's empty. She had a box of goods and, and after supper at about seven, we put that box on the stove. And when I had come up hours later at three o'clock in the morning, that box was sitting on the stove and flames were leaping out from underneath of it. And when I ran over, three of those burners were turned on high. Have no idea to this day how it sustained itself for that many hours, but immediately I started hosing it down that not one fire alarm that the batteries were good in, not one fire alarm was going off, but that didn't just stop with that one moment. You see, there were instance after instance. I can't continue to go on health issues with my children, waking up in the early morning hours and Grantland's bed was full of blood that he had just been vomiting and couldn't contain it. And there were many moments where I thought, I can't do this any longer. God, I've got to give up. I need to walk away from this. And it felt like the heaviness would not leave. But there was that moment I'll never forget when I walked into the sanctuary of the church and not one person was in there, but it was just me and God. And there was not a man or a woman to give me a word. But I began to flip through this word and God began to lead me to the scripture that he knew that I needed and God begin to give me a word from God oh hear me somebody tonight you need to get a hold of your Bible and when the enemy comes against you to destroy your soul you need to get a word from God that will not allow you to back down or to give up but establish his principle of faith in your life the word of God the word of God we got the call to come to Indiana Bible College, I told Pastor Mooney, I said, I, I, I thank you for this incredible honor, but I don't, I don't know that I'm interested in it, and I was not interested in it. We begin to pray. Let me just say, it's dangerous when you pray. Be careful. If you don't want to do it, just don't even pray it. Just walk away. Praying, it it changes stuff. The more I begin to pray, God begin to deal with not just me, but my wife. Let me just tell somebody, if you're, if you're seeking the will of God and you are a man, it will not just be you that God speaks to. It'll be your spouse as well. And then it will be your spiritual authority. I wrestled against it. I... I use good arguments. God, this is why we shouldn't. This is why I don't. This is, things are going really good. It's one thing to leave a church when it's bad, you know. I'm all for that. No revival. There's no money coming in. People don't like you. Man, get out. Just go. It's hard to leave a church when people are getting the Holy Ghost every Sunday and God's doing stuff. You feel like, man, this is, I mean, all the bad stuff we went through, now the good times and we gotta go now. That's how I felt and, God was doing a work, hallelujah, and God was moving. And I was walking through the back of the sanctuary one Sunday to get ready, and I know I'm taking some time with this. The clock's broken. No, it really is. It's broken. Oh, I didn't break it. Thank God. Do you know what time it is? I don't have my phone on me. Well, thank you. I really appreciate that. I do have my phone on me. The Lord answered your prayer. Hallelujah. I was walking through the back of the sanctuary, and uh, I, I may get to my sermon, and I don't really know. This is not going very good. Brother Poitras said this. You know, when you study and you pray, and God gives you the sermon in your mind, you really think it's going to happen. Then when you get up to preach, nothing turns out right. This is where I'm at, so I'll just walk down here a little bit. I don't feel more comfortable down here. It just gets me out from being up there. I just. So where was I? I was walking through the back of the sanctuary and uh, my wife had already started service and I was going right by the sound booth and uh, uh, God can speak through sound people, by the way, so don't, don't give them too hard of a time. They're, they are part of the church. Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. And I was walking by the sound booth and uh, uh, Brother Jonathan, he was in the sound booth and I was like, all right, brother, how you doing? High five, that's back when we didn't have restrictions. We did more than fist bumping. And as I was walking by, Rick Dombrowski was back there. And Rick was, uh, he was former military. He was an army guy. 
And uh, Rick had had a lot of tragedy in his life. Rick, he told me one day, he said, Pastor Gary, I'm surrounded by death. He said, every, every person I've ever been connected to has died. And, and uh, I thought, well, that's, a, that's an exaggeration. Then he started telling me the story, Pastor. It was shocking. Everybody that he had been connected to had, and it was, it was unbelievable. And Rick had hit the bottom of his life. Anybody ever been there? And Rick uh, was about ready to give up. As a matter of fact, Rick uh, had a friend that was in our church, and that was the connection there. And, and uh, Brother Wisdom had connected with him for years, years, and years, and had been reaching out to him. And Rick had come to church at one time, but he had completely walked away. And so here he was. He was at the bottom. His wife had left him. His life was falling apart. His boss came to him and said, Rick, I can't stand you. I'm going to fire you. You mess up one more time, and you're out of here. He was about to lose his job. Rick's life was in shambles. And Rick staggered into church. He staggered into church, and that was our connection. But the entire service, Rick sat there with his arms crossed, not receiving anything from God. And later that week, Rick went home, and he decided that it was time for him to give up on life itself. And Rick had made some phone calls and told people that this was goodbye and and people that lived far, far away from him. And so Rick started drinking that night, and he started lining his guns out on the counter, and every one of them were loaded. But somebody contacted Brother Wisdom, and Brother Wisdom got a hold of me. And we went over to that house. When we walked in, Rick was sitting on the edge of his bed holding a revolver in his hand and Rick was ready to give up. And let me tell you something, God had a plan for Rick Dombrowski's life because it was in that moment that we began to pray and we worked with him and began to talk with him and Rick finally just kind of passed out on the bed. The next day we got him up and we made sure that he was gonna be all right and we took all of his guns and we, we hit him different places around our house and Brother Wisdom's house and Brother Wisdom dumped out all the alcohol and Rick walked into church that next Sunday morning and he was a changed man. You know why? Because he had some hope that was in his life and Rick found himself at an altar and prayed back through the Holy Ghost. God refilled him and God began to lift Rick up and he began to bless his life and Rick didn't, he he did get fired from his job because his boss didn't like him but guess what? God gave him a better job making $35,000 a year more and God turned his life around and Rick met a young girl in the church and they end up getting married and God completely reversed all the death and heaviness that was in Rick's life. Let me tell you what, when God brings you into the church and gives you a word, you don't have to listen anymore to what the enemy tells you because there's something called faith that gets a hold of your life and God has not just transformed you, but you begin to see the blessing and the anointing of God in everything that you do as long as you follow him. So I'm walking through the back by the sound booth and there's Rick standing there and he stops me. He didn't have any knowledge of what Pastor Moon, Brother Mooney had called and asked me. Nobody did except my wife and I and one other man in our life that we, that we trusted with this information. We were asking him, our spiritual authority, to pray. And Rick stopped me as I was walking through and said, Pastor Galligan, I have a question for you. I said, what is it, Rick? I never knew what was gonna come out of his mouth. I was, I was trying to get up to the platform. He said, here's my question. He said, I woke up in the middle of the night. I felt like God was speaking to me. He said, are you leaving Eagle River? I cannot tell a lie. But I cannot tell him. I said, Rick, why would you ask me that? He said, God spoke to me, I felt like. I said, well, Rick, I'm, I'm going out of town to preach a youth event, but I'll be back on Sunday. He said, no, no, no. He said, leave for good. I said, Rick, if I leave, it will be in the will of God. And if I stay, it will be in the will of God. Rick, As your pastor, you want me to do the will of God. He said, oh, pastor, he said, you can't leave Eagle River. He said, if you leave, I'll never be able to live for God. God smote my heart at that moment and spoke these words to me. He said, you must decrease so that I can increase. As I turned to walk away and go Up to the platform, God said, they're building a relationship with you, not with me. I felt such heavy conviction that when I walked to that pulpit, God dealt with me about preaching, not about the sermon that I had prepared that week, but covenant.
and what relationship looks like from a biblical perspective. I wrestled with that. I flew out to Manitoba, Winnipeg. Preached that youth. Strange circumstances. I can't go into detail. I wish I could. It would take too long. It was a devastating week for me. The youth president was no longer the youth president. It was shocking what had taken place. A friend of mine. Everything was just chaotic there. People were hurt and broken and people's lives, it seemed like, were literally ripped away from them and stuff had just happened and, and I'm trying to be upbeat and encourage kids and the district board is there and, and, a, and a church that has lost a man and, and they're crying and praying so loud in the altar the kids can't even pray themselves. And the next morning I went downstairs early for breakfast and a man that stood behind this pulpit, Sean Ward, I don't remember if you all remember that, a few years ago Sean Ward was here about four years ago. I never met Sean Ward, had no idea who he was, and sat down, and he invited me. He said, Brother Gang, sit next to me. I sat across from him, and he said, Brother Gang, what's new in your life? I said, oh, brother, I said, you know, everything's new. God's been good, blessing, living the dream. You know how those little things you say you don't really mean. <laughs> <laughs> Wonderful, hallelujah. It's hopeful, it's, it, you're speaking that in faith, right? That's what you're doing. God's so good. You're near thinking, I don't, even, I don't even know if he knows I'm alive at the moment, but he's still good. I believe that. Hallelujah. <clears throat> he looked at me in the eye and, and he stiffened up. He said, he said, Brother Gallion, God just spoke to me. He said, can I share with you? And I said, absolutely. He said, God spoke these words to me. He said, you must decrease so that he can increase because God is preparing you for transition. The Holy Ghost settled upon me. I, was moved to tears. I dismissed myself and ran up to my room, laid up on my face and began to pray and seek the face of God. I called my wife. It cost me like 28 bucks for a minute and a half in Canada on a cell phone charge. And I said, babe, I can't talk long. It's going to cost me a fortune. But I just want you to know, I think God gave me a word and I think I know what we're doing. I hung up very quickly. Two days later, I fly home and that night she has a dream. God begins to lay it upon her heart. And when I walked into that bedroom, we sat down on the bed and, and I said, you know, I don't know why this doesn't make sense, but I think we're going to Indiana Bible College. She said, I think God spoke to me that very thing because I had a dream about it. And she said, I've been watching IBC live videos all weekend since you were gone. And she said, I've got a burden for these kids. You know what? That was a word from God. That was a word from a man that was confirming what God had been dealing with me over and over and over. There's moments in my life where I have to have a word from God, but that word doesn't always come through a man. Most of the time it comes through his word where God begins to give confirmation whether it's over this pulpit or a pulpit or whether it's in my daily reading that God begins to build something inside of me oh hear me ladies and gentlemen if you want God to build faith then you need to get into his word and let him speak to you and let him give you something that the world cannot take away because when God gives you a word it does not matter what happens around you it doesn't matter the reality that you're in God will bring you through his strength will be made manifest through his word faith will be built and God will push past the enemy that tries to bring you down with his word and his faith I tell you what it is in Genesis 1 and 1 we find an introduction of what God's word can do chapter 1 of Genesis is the most amazing process that we see in scripture 32 times in 31 verses we find that God is mentioned it brings us into the presence of the almighty the very first chapter of Revelation you see Satan hates Genesis 1 you know why because it begins to confirm that there is no other but God. God says, I'm going to bring you into your pre my presence and I'm going to keep you in my presence. Genesis confirms that God is factual. I want to say thank you to every teacher at CCS that stands on the principle of Genesis 1 that does not compromise with the creation process. As theologians of great have said before, 
We do not search science to confirm scripture, but we search scripture to confirm science. You see, in Genesis 1, we must look at it as factual. We must see it as the creation process, not some Babylonian epic that was created out of history books. But we must abandon, we must not abandon, we must embrace it as actual truth because God wants us to see that his word is forever settled in heaven let me tell you something about Genesis 1 if we can't believe what God said in the beginning God created if we can't embrace that in Genesis 1 and 1 then how can we embrace Acts 2.38 and how can we embrace John 3.16 we must grab hold of Genesis 1 and know that when God said he created the world that we live in then God created the world that we live in I don't believe that the seven days of creation happened over thousands and thousands of years but I believe that there were seven literal days that God spoke to creation and created everything that we see. We begin to read Genesis 1 and we see something interesting. It's called a polysyndodon. I'm not an English major. I don't know anything about English. I'm horrible at English. Just ask my wife. I can't even speak proper English half the time. My wife has a running list of words that I say that I make up. It works better for me at times. Makes me feel like I'm highly educated. I should create my own dictionary. Hey, let me tell you something. We've had 12-year-olds creating dictionaries in the past 15 years through social media. I can't even keep track. Why shouldn't I make up a few words here and there? We see this over and over again in Genesis 1. This polysyndodon, it, it causes us to have reflection, I would think. It shows up in the King James Version. It's the multiple use of the word and. God created the heavens and the earth. Over and over we see it play out. In ordinary writing, of course, this is usually considered improper. And if I was writing a paper, my English teacher would circle it and mark it out. In those very hateful looking red ink ink pens. And they would say things like, please rewrite this. And then I would add more ands just to make a mess. No, I wouldn't do that. You see, the polysyndodon is not done unintentional, but I believe in Genesis it's actually absolutely intentional. I don't believe there's anything in God's word that is not intentional. I believe there's nothing in this book that should be taken out or added to. I don't believe that God ever made a mistake in his word. I don't believe there's translational errors. I don't believe that God messed up. But I believe this is the infallible and errant word of God. I don't believe that we're waiting for a better translation or an adjustment of translation. I believe that this word is forever settled in heaven. I believe that this word is sharper than any two-edged sword. I believe that this word has power that's represented in it. I believe this word not only builds our faith, but I believe if you pray the word, if you read the word, and if you preach the word, it puts the enemy on his heels. I believe that there's power and anointing that's in the word of God. I believe that if we would just open it up and begin to see what God's word would say, that it would fix every problem in society, that it would give confirmation of who we are as apostolics, and that it would not allow the enemy to overcome us with anxiety and fear because I believe in his word. And so in his word, when it says and, you know what? The Bible is simply asking us to pause. Because think about it, if you will, this way. In the beginning, God created the heaven. Pause. How many times have I just overlooked that or scanned it? The heaven. Oh, think about the heavens. How many times have we walked outside? Probably not in Indianapolis, but in the country, we've walked out and we've looked up and we've just got a small glimpse of the starry sky that's above us. Have you ever got a telescope out and, and you turn that telescope towards the moon and you can see those massive craters on that moon? Something, something inside of you begins to cry out that there's a God that is bigger and greater than I. 
Oh, don't you be deceived because God is more powerful. He's more powerful than any entity in this world. He's more powerful than any government in this world. He's more powerful than political systems in this world. He's more powerful than pandemics of this world. God is all powerful. He's omnipotent. Oh, hear this preacher tonight. God wants us to pause. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. You see what God is doing is he's wanting us to reflect on his word in the beginning, in the beginning. Ladies and gentlemen, what would happen if we stopped trying to rush through our daily Bible reading and we started looking at scripture and we begin to contemplate on what God is saying in just one verse. I believe there's more wisdom and power and greater understanding in just one verse of the Bible than there is in all of the collective minds of this world together. It's the word of God. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. You know what God was doing? He was making a statement. He didn't say in the beginning that we created. In the beginning that I had help creating. But he made a definitive statement that there was only one God in the beginning created. Oh hear this preacher tonight. There is no other but our God. He was separating himself from pantheism by pulling himself out of the process of matter and creation. He was allowing us to establish that there's only one Lord and one faith by saying there is him singular created. There's a statement to be made in Genesis 1. What he was doing was he was giving confirmation. Oh, hear me. This is all about the word, about faith. I'll get there. I know this is long. Please forgive me. You see, he was... He was defining who he is and how he operates. That word create. It simply means bara. 55 times it's mentioned in the Old Testament. It's a very interesting word. When you read the creation statement. You find it coming out over and over. Wilbur Smith said this men can make. Things, which is Asha, and form things, which is Yatsa, but only God can borrow. Because what God did in creation is He made everything out of nothing. You see, I can form something. This building was formed, it was formed by men that worked hard and put labor into it. I can shape something. I can, I can take a piece of clay and, and, and make something out of it. But oh, I cannot. I do not have the ability to make something out of nothing, Bara. You know what God was stating? There is no one like me. Oh, when you wake up tomorrow morning and you open up Genesis 1 and 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It should overwhelm you that God created out of nothing everything that we see around us. Out of nothing, God formed it, formed it with his voice. Oh, his voice, his word was spoken. It began to move and shape and pull something out of nothingness. There was no, we need to get beyond this whole idea of evolution, every process. There was nothing that was already there. God spoke it into existence. I've got to believe that the word of God stated it as it was. I I just believe that God is trying to confirm something in your heart because oh hear this preacher tonight you need to get to a place when you look at your life and you feel that there's nothing left to give there's nothing for God to use you need to understand that God takes something out of nothing and creates everything that he can create God begins to build on your nothingness God begins to build on your brokenness God begins to build on your pain and recreate you to form you into something that he can use. We find in Isaiah 55. The preacher's preaching. The heavens are higher than the earth. So are my ways higher than your ways. And my thoughts than your thoughts. For as the rain cometh down. I was reading in Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 is the faith chapter. We see men, powerful men. We see a woman. If we look at their backstory, though, they're not men and women of faith. 
They're liars, deceivers, supplanters, murderers, and harlots. But God has established that as the faith chapter. Hope that didn't offend anyone. But let me tell you something. God takes your past and creates good in your future. We don't think that God can take your nothing and create something. I've got to stop living my life in my past. I've got to start living it to what God has destined in my future. Oh, let me know. Let's just talk about the process of that. It's called transformation. That's why we're to come out of the world and be separate. Because when I come out of the world with brokenness and pain and hurt and sin and my life is a wreck, you know what God is wanting to do? God's wanting to transform me. You see, when I come to church, I, I can't remain as I was, but I've got to come down to an altar and repent of my sins. Hallelujah. I've got to be baptized in those waters by complete immersion in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of my sins. And what does scripture say? That I shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. How? By the evidence of speaking in tongues. You know what God is doing? God is recreating. He's transforming. When we walk into church, God has a transformation process in our life. And so when he looks and lists these men and women of faith, God is saying, I'm not identifying them as what they used to be, but I'm identifying them by what they did. Ladies and gentlemen, and when you come to church, God is not going to hold it over your head what you used to be. But God expects you to get to a place that he needs you to be at so that he can call the transformation process as it is. We are men and women of faith. In Hebrews 11, it starts it out by a man named Abel. I would have to say this, that Abel worshipped God. We know the story of Cain and Abel. Cain offered a sacrifice that he wanted to give to God. Abel offered a sacrifice that was pleasing to God. The difference is this. When I walk into church, I can't just give God what I want to give him. I've got to give him what he's wanting from me. You see, the first step of your faith, I believe, is worship. Because anybody can worship God. Anybody can walk in off the street and begin to worship. It's when we identify that he is God. We identify that he is king. We identify that he is good. When we identify that he is loving. When we identify that our life is a wreck without him. When we identify that we need him more than we need anything else. That's worship unto God. You see, worship is the first step of your faith. And we need worship in the church. There's nothing wrong with lifting your hands in service and clapping. There's nothing wrong with people dancing and shouting and running. But oh, hear me. That is the first step of your faith is learning how to worship God. Because it's stepping back and identifying what God can do in my life and what God is capable. The first step of my faith is learning to worship God. Abel worshiped God. But God doesn't want us just to worship him. Let me just say this. The divine source of God's word, the first phase is worship. Worship is the divine source of God's word in our life. The second part is that Enoch walked with God. If all we get to the phase in our worship, or all we get to the phase in our faith is worship, then we have failed to complete the process that God is calling us to. If I can come to church and magnify God and lift him up and exalt him, if I can come to church and, and call out his name and how good he is, that's a good thing. But God wants more than just us worshiping. He wants us walking with him. You see, walking consists of a day-by-day -day commitment. It consists of picking up the Word of God. and It consists of allowing Him to change and instruct. It, it, it consists of allowing Him to give confirmation of who we are walking with God on a daily basis. You see, coming to church is great, but the day-to-day -day is when I get up on Monday morning and there's not a congregation that's here with me. I need to learn how to walk with Him. I need to learn how to get into His presence by myself. I need to make sure that He's speaking to me and He's confirming to me who he is. I've got to learn how to read his word and, and get into those deep depths of his word and find out who I am and what I'm supposed to do because walking with God is the second, but the third is working for God. You see, Noah worked for God. I appreciate a church that worships, 
And I believe that there's a church that walks. But I feel that God has asked the church to work. That the dynamic force of God's word is walking with him. The directed course of God's word is working for him. God has asked us to work as the church. What does working consist of? I believe that's the highest form of faith. I believe that. It's that process where God has asked us to move beyond the worship. It's the process that God has asked us to move beyond daily walking with him. But now to put our hand to the plow. You see, working for God is not just what we do in ministry teams in this church. But working for God is what we do in ministry outside of the church. Working for God means that I'm working on my job, not for an employer. But I'm working for God, reaching those that are lost and dying and on their way to hell. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, we've got to get to a place where we can reach those around us. It's more than just worship. It's more than just being consistent. But it's allowing God to speak to us as we drive through the neighborhoods of our community, knowing that God has called us to reach those that are lost. You see, Jeremiah 20 said this. Jeremiah begins to speak about this, this time where he was confused and a time where he didn't understand. There was a reproach into him. You see, there was that moment where he felt God had deceived me. But in realization, he realized that I've deceived myself because I did not believe that God was stronger than me. I believe that I had power and ability within my own right. You see, when we worship, we think sometimes that it allows us to move into a new dimension of faith. But faith can only be obtained through God's word and God's word can only be obtained through walking with him on a daily basis so that we can fulfill the commission that God has placed inside of us working and you know what Jeremiah said Jeremiah got to the place where he said the word of God was like a fire that was shut up in my bones that had to escape it has to escape ladies and gentlemen Calvary Tabernacle we must not only worship walk but we must work for the kingdom of God I'm trying to close Musicians can come. The process of allowing God to confirm faith in our life, the power of God, the strength of God, the anointing of God. I believe when we open our Bible that God gives confirmation. And I believe that in every book we see the confirmation. We could go down a list and we could begin to list those moments where God showed his character to his people. Faith. Faith. God's faith. We sing a song, we sang it on Friday night. Numbers, the sixth chapter, verses 24, 26. God, through his word, has the ability to change us. To lift us up. But I believe that God wants us to do so much more than just feel his presence. He wants to bring us in to his presence. God wants us and needs us to fulfill the commission that he's placed in our heart. If you would stand with me. feel the presence of the Lord here I, I, I don't know I don't feel like I've effectively shared my heart and what I felt but I do believe this that God has got a word for someone that's here I believe that I believe the word of God does not come from a man necessarily though God can use but I, I do believe that it comes from his word. This is what I feel. Every time you step out to fulfill each level of your faith in God, I believe the enemy will come against you and attack. 
there's a process of knowing when it's of God and, and when it's of the enemy. Because God will never tempt you, but he will test you. In the enemy, he will come against you with temptation. Now, tests are that process that we all go through. And I was praying about this, and I felt that maybe 2020 was simply the greatest test the church has ever gone through. I had more church during 2020 than I've ever had in my entire life, and that says a lot. I don't know what you did on your Sundays, and especially Mondays. Sundays, I was only allowed to watch a few services, Brother Sleva, but Monday... I've been doing this for months now. Everybody uploads their service to Facebook on Monday. I watch hundreds of messages in the pandemic, sometimes a week. It was so exciting to log in on friends of mine that has small churches and friends that have never been on Facebook, friends that have never broadcast their service, and it was exciting to, to just be in their worship service with them. I had one friend that his giving tripled during the pandemic. <laughs> he had people all around the world watching his services. He was so excited. He had a man in his town. It was a chief of the fire department. Paid $5,000 tithe to him. Sent it in the mail. <laughs> Said, I've been watching you every Sunday. You blessed me. I want to pay you my tithe. Paid his tithe. Hallelujah. You know what that did? It bought him a new camera. He didn't, he didn't have to use his phone anymore. <laughs> Let me tell you what 2020 did. I think it was a test. I think God wanted to see where our heart was. I think God wanted to see what we were going to do. I had friends of mine that walked away. I had friends of mine that have battled. We've got friends that still haven't even come out of their home yet. Not fully. You've got friends of yours, and maybe you're even here, then, and you've been battling this. Severe anxiety and fear and depression. I'm not trying to embarrass anybody, but let me tell you one of the common themes that I'm seeing in 18 to 22 year olds is anxiety, severe anxiety. I was praying one night during the pandemic and I was sitting there praying and just seeking the face of God and I've never experienced this ever. I just couldn't breathe. And the more I tried to get breath in my lungs, fear began to creep in. And it wasn't COVID. And I felt like God spoke to me at that moment and said, this is, this is fear. This is anxiety. I'm here to tell somebody, you, you need a word from God. You can't worship your way out of that. You've got to establish it on what you know. Because if all you have is a relationship that's based upon feeling, your feelings will betray you. It must be based upon the word of God. And when the enemy comes against you, whether it be in the form of temptation or a test from God, when it comes against you and you're battling and you're not sure, is God trying to get me to move to another level in faith? Or is this the enemy trying to pull me down and pull me out? There's got to be something more than just a feeling that gets a hold of you. You need to go to the word of God. You've got to get his word. Begin to pray it. Begin to preach it. Begin to read it. When the enemy comes against you like a flood, you need to let God raise up a standard against him. I don't, I'm, I don't want you to feel worried, but, but I want every eye closed in this place. I, I, I want somebody that's here that is going to be real with yourself. That doesn't even care if there's anybody that sees him or not. If you're here tonight and you've been dealing with anxiety and fear, depression, I want you just to lift your hand right now. Come on, this is a moment. I believe that God's going to bring confirmation of a few things. Come on, there's moments where, where you, you just you, you can't hardly get... Get a hold of it because the enemy feels as if it's trying to rob you of your, your breath and your sanity. And, and there's a struggle that's in your mind and you don't understand where. I want you right now, lift your hand up as high as you can. Come on, I know that you know this. 
You do not have to walk through this by yourself. This battle is not yours and yours alone. And if you feel comfortable, I want you to get boldness upon you. And I want you to step out of your seat and make your way down to this front. Come on, I believe that God can release that completely out of your life. I don't believe that we have to live with anxiety. I don't believe that 2020 has to be the year that we keep going through these trials and we keep going through these tests and we keep going through this temptation. But right now, I want you to walk down to this front and lift your hands up in the air because I believe that God can give you a word through your prayer, through your worship, and through your walk, and through your work.